We'll turn again to Luke chapter 14 for a scripture reading. Luke chapter 14, we'll begin reading at verse 25 to the end of the chapter. Luke chapter 14, beginning at verse 25. Now, great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This far, the reading of God's word. And we are continuing to look at this section now. This is the, we've had two other sermons on this passage. But dear congregation, Do you ever wonder what the purpose of your life is? Maybe in your little place where you live, or where you work, or go to school, or in your home, sometimes it might feel like God has forgotten you there, and you wonder, what really is the purpose of my life here? So often things seem to go the opposite of what you expect, or of what you think might be best. And considering this passage, how does this tie in to total commitment to Christ? How do we see our purpose related to the total commitment to Christ? See, as we've looked at this passage in the few, last few weeks, we've seen something of the cost that the Lord Jesus warns about those who are following Him, and of that ultimatum that As he says in verse 27, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And so now here this week, in these last two verses, we want to see something of the purpose that I believe this is pointing to. And so our theme again is the total commitment to Christ and focusing on the purpose of that. Is there a purpose to all the painful suffering that God's children endure, all the heartache and the headaches? And why is this heavy cross of self-denial then really required? 
Why is there such an impossible cost that, is, that Jesus puts to those following Him? Well, believing that God is all things in His divine providence, He also has a purpose for everything that is in your life. And our text for today is in these two verses, 34 and 35, which I'll read again. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So first we want to see that good salt has a good purpose. Good salt has a good purpose. In Matthew 5, Jesus also says, you are the salt of the earth. And so what, what is salt used for? Well, salt is used in almost every food product nowadays, it seems. It preserves food. It keeps down the bacteria so it doesn't, doesn't spoil the food. It, it seasons it for enhancing the flavor. It's used as a binder or a stabilizer in, in baking. Our bodies also need to take in salt to help maintain the balance of, of water and minerals. And salt, it, it dissolves into the, the water, and it seems to reach every corner, every part of, of the, the food. And so it has far-reaching effects. But salt was also used as, as an antiseptic in those days. You can read in Ezekiel 16, verse 4, where it mentions that salt was used as an antiseptic to protect a newborn baby, that it was smeared with salt after it was born. But there is also a certain use that is referred to here in verse 35, that it was added to the manure piles. The salt was able to preserve or enhance the fertilizing ability of the manure. And so Jesus says here that salt is good. And he uses that as an illustration to say that you are to be the good salt of the earth, that you are to serve God's good purpose on this earth. And we say, well, how? Well, through His Word and by His Spirit. And Jesus here is speaking specifically and directly to His disciples, but also to that crowd that was following Him. But His disciples specifically would be the ones sent out to be the salt of the earth. But he's speaking to every one of his followers, all those who would come after him and follow him, every Christian. God's children serve a good purpose to, to preserve this world with the truth of God's Word, and to promote what is good and to resist, re restrain what is evil, to restrain the evil from, from spoiling, from corrupting the world. He says, you're the flavor of the earth to, to season this world with was spreading the, the Word of God, to being a witness of what God's Word and what God's grace does to, to a human soul, how it turns them from darkness to light, to, to follow the paths of wickedness, to follow the ways of God, to, where the fruit of the Spirit is evident in, in your life. The Word of God and His laws, they, they have a binding, they have a, a stabilizing effect in our families, in our churches, in, in our communities. I believe it was Calvin who wrote that even in countries where outwardly the Word of, of God is adhered to, it brings stability, it brings a peace, it brings a, a strength. And so this, this 
that God uses His people to, to penetrate to the corners of the world with his, with his Word. The gospel has to go to the ends of the earth, and He uses His people for that purpose. And we know that it doesn't take much salt, does it, to, to season your, your food? Only a little sprinkle can make a big difference. But, but salt must be good. And maybe if you think of preserving meat, you'd use even a little more salt to keep it from, from um, spoiling. But in comparison to the size of the food dish, there's really not much salt that is used. You know, last week we considered a king who with half the size of the army had to consider if he could go up against the enemy that was coming with, with double the army. But here we are reminded that a little salt seasons the whole meal. If you think of your Christian presence in your workplace, how much does your, just your presence being there, without even saying anything, restrain others from using swear words or, or doing certain things they know that is frowned upon? Here there were only 12 disciples who the Lord Jesus would, would send out into the world to be that salt, commanded to go out into all the world. And so every Christian is to be that little grain of salt in that tasteless dish wherever God sprinkles you. You don't need to be great. You don't need to be someone special. In fact, very opposite, the Lord taught us to humble ourselves, didn't He? To think ourselves less than the others. To, think, to, to esteem others better than ourselves. There's really nothing magnificent or spectacular about being salt. And yet it serves such an important purpose. Because without, thing, without salt, it will spoil or be inedible. And so in whatever corner of the world God has put you, whether it's in your home, in your family, as a, as a mother, or as a child, as a parent, or a grandparent, or at work, or in your school, university, wherever God has put you. Sometimes you can wonder, oh, why am I here? What's the purpose of this place? Why do I have to face this? But this is right where God sees fit to put that little sprinkle of salt for His good purpose and His effect. And this is where you live. This is where you live with that self-denying loyalty to Christ Himself in obedience and total commitment to Christ, to His Word. This is where you are to serve the Master's purpose, to add flavor as you do your work faithfully, whatever it is the Lord has called you to. And as you speak your, the Word of God, if it is but to your children or if it is to your co-workers or wherever opportunity avails you, this is where we are called to bear up the cross to uphold God's truth in a corrupt world. And so this is just a brief look at the good salt that serves a good purpose. But then secondly, that purpose is lost when salt has lost its flavor. It means bad salt has no purpose. And it says, if the salt loses, if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? In Matthew 5 or 13, it adds, it is then good for nothing. 
It's useless. See, salt in the days of the Lord Jesus, a lot of it came from the Dead Sea, and it didn't have as, as high a content of sodium, um, sodium chloride, but, and then it could leach out and be left with just empty crystals. There'd be, be nothing left in it for salt content. But, and so if the salt becomes bland, then, then it's no longer useful. It doesn't add flavor to your food, and it won't preserve the meat. And so there's nothing you can do with it, the Lord is saying, except throw it in the garbage. And that same word, therefore, for has lost its flavor there, can be translated as, as foolish. It's used in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 20 where it says, Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? So if that salt has lost its flavor, you could say it's become foolish to use it. It's, it's foolish. It's nonsense. It'd be nonsense to use this salt in your food because it doesn't serve any purpose. It won't do anything. It's good for nothing. And so if it becomes useless, then not only good for nothing, but usually it becomes hated or repulsive. It now, it now becomes a burden rather than something useful. You have to get rid of it. And so Jesus says in verse 35, it's neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. And if it becomes stale, it becomes too alkaline, it, it can't even be used for fertilizer. Instead of helping the fertilizer, it helping the fields to produce more, it actually hinders the growth. And so there's absolutely nothing to do with it except dispose of it. And so Jesus is saying that if a Christian has lost their effect, their saltiness, their ability to flavor and preserve the world by God's Word and truth, then they've become useless and good for nothing. And more than that, repulsive. And so we need to ask, well, how do we become useless Christians? Well, in this, in this context of Luke 14, it means we become good for nothing if we don't bear our cross and come after Christ. We do not flavor or preserve the world if we compromise the truth and seek conditions of peace with the enemy, as in verse 32. So the salt needs to have an effect. It needs to be sprinkled. It needs to be put on. Someone used the, the title of his, of his message, you have, to, you have to be in the stew. You have to be put in. <clears throat> and we see that when some who grow up in churches, or they, they turn away from God completely. And they could not finish as the builder with the tower. Their faith turned out to be not saving faith, but only temporal. And now it seems like the gospel has no more effect on them. They sin against a better knowledge. They sin against grace. They willfully, willfully neglect and despise the only remedy of God's salvation. And then there's no other way for them to be saved, to be redeemed again. No other way to be seasoned again. If the Word of God does not take effect in our hearts, then there's no other remedy. No other way for that bland salt to be seasoned again. But true Christians cannot lose the grace of God that has been given to them by the Holy Spirit, but... Christians can lose their saltiness by a careless life in this world, by growing weak and timid, afraid to take up the cross and carry it in this world. 
This world is a world that has fallen in sin, tasteless before God, enmity with God, a world that will be cast out of His sight in the end. But for Christians who claim to follow Christ and the Word of God, if we are tasteless, that is even more detestable. Christ said in Revelation 3, 16, because you're neither hot nor cold, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Just like bland salt will be rejected and cast away. See, a lot of things can be salvaged when they break. We know how to fix things, but salt that has lost its flavor, you can't make it salty again. It has lost its properties. It's not even useful for composting manure piles. In fact, it makes the soil alkaline. It can't grow. And so people who fall away have that negative effect in this world around them. Instead of drawing people to Christ, they're now repelling people away from Christ. And they, they saw how they lived, and they, they say, well, if he gave up, then why even bother trying? Or if Christians walk in sin, living in sin, or remain silent about the sin that they are faced with in this world, then it emboldens the others to continue in sin. Who is there to rebuke them? Who is there to stop them? Who is there to tell them that's not the right way? And so God has sprinkled each one of you like salt on this earth. But if we become conformed to this world and blend into the mixture with, without seasoning it, then we're of no use. And we bring no flavor, no change, but we simply disappear into the crowd. And you lose that saltiness. Now, the Pharisees could live a religious life, but they were not fit for the manure pile. Nor were those who turned away from following Christ later. If we are called Christians, but our Lord's days are used for worldly pursuits, for our study, for our work, for our entertainment, we are saying to the world that God is not really that important to me. And then we're not being salt, but we're blending into the ways of the world. If we allow certain sins to reign in our hearts and lives, or if we tolerate it in our friends that we hang out with, and then we become stale and hardened against the gospel itself. Because at first you can, you can hate and despise those sins when you, you first meet some people and you say, why do you do that? But if you tolerate it, soon, soon it will become normal to you. And before long, you'll find yourself committing those same sins. If we give in to the immorality that is corrupting our land, our nations, even the world, if we blend in with this world, what good are we then to others? Instead of a remedy, we become good for nothing. Christians without flavor hinder others from coming to Christ. And the world watches us to see how we live, how we act, how we talk. Be that salt that Christ has made you to be. And wherever He has placed you by His grace, but also the, the church itself, 
First Timothy 3.15 says that the church is the pillar and ground of truth. But if the church itself becomes conformed to the changing waves of this world, it does not teach and defend the doctrines of Scripture, then it has lost its saltiness, its salting effect, and the church becomes good for nothing. This, Jesus says, comes with a cost. This requires taking up our cross daily. Because he says, what is the value of an unfinished tower? What are the consequences of submitting to the enemy? They are then the salt that has lost its flavor and good for nothing. And with what can that be seasoned again? And so how does this emphasize the seriousness for each of us that calling to a total commitment to Christ. To take up our cross and to follow Him. And how does this bearing our cross then separate the good salt from the bad salt? True faith from temporary faith. It's a sobering thought, isn't it, that if we are not good salt, that we'll be cast out but we know the reality of our own heart, that none of us is perfect salt, and that we do not have the salt on our own. We don't produce this salt. If we try to be the salt, when we are not, it doesn't season, but it spoils. The Pharisees show us how that works, but we need Christ. We need His grace, we need His Spirit, we need His Word. We need repentance from our sins, we need a faith in His saving work. Depending on Him, looking unto the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the perfect salt of the earth, and as He walked every day of His life, He was that perfect grain of salt that withstood all evil that came against Him. And it's by His Word alone that we can be flavored and flavored this earth. And so that's our third thought, the purpose accomplished through Christ. See, Jesus ends in verse 35 by saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And we hear this when God convicts us of our shortcomings. When our conscience accuses us that we know that we are not the salt that we ought to be. Because how often have we lived in this world as just blended in with the world? Because really how long did it take before anyone in our work knew that we were Christians? Or in school? How often do we just either say nothing or laugh along with it? and go along with it because we're afraid to take up the cross. But we can feel this. We hear this. When we have to ask, what really is the purpose of my life in this world here where God has placed me? So what is the remedy? Well, in Mark 9, verse 50, Jesus says, Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. 
have salt in yourselves. In order to be able to be salt in this world, we must be salt. We must be filled. We must have salt in ourselves. And where does that come from? From God, His Word, His Spirit. Our character, our conduct must be seasoned by the Word of God, conformed to the image of Christ who, who is that example. It must affect our lives to, to live to God's glory, just like Philippians 2 says, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless, the children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights. That's another example the Lord used, that the shining lights holding fast the word of life. But you are like that salt in that bland and in that corrupting dish of food. It's a humbling thought, isn't it? That God would see fit even to use us in this world. Because we were once found tasteless before the Lord ourselves, weren't we? But by the grace of God, you have been seasoned by His Word and by His Spirit. In Ezekiel 16, the passage says, God says He found you like a newborn baby that was rejected and left to die after it was born. It was not cared for at all. It was not treated with salt, but left helpless in the desert to die in its own blood. That's a picture of every one of us that the Lord is painting here. Born in sin, cast out from God, enemies with God, left to die in our sin. But then God comes and says, live. He gives you life by His Word and Spirit. He salted you with His, His Word of truth to preserve you, to season you to His glory. And it's God alone who has given you that all, that seasoning. And now God has a purpose to use you as that salt in this world. That wherever you've come from, whatever rotting manure pile He pulled you off of, and were rescued for you from, He seasoned you with His life-changing Word. And your change could only come through the grace and Spirit, through His Word and power. And it's only by that same grace, that faith, and the Holy Spirit that you can be the salt in this earth through the power of God and His Word. When the Lord Jesus sent out His disciples in Matthew 10, He said, Freely you have received, freely give. We are to be salt by what we receive from God through His Word. It doesn't come from us, but it's His Word. We often feel we can't do it. No, we can't. But that means we need to look away from ourselves to Jesus Christ. For for His sake that you receive this Holy Spirit. It's His Word that you speak and that you rely on. His Word that is to bear on this world. And it's His Word and Spirit alone that can save sinners around us. And to preserve our land. So that means we need to have salt in us. We need to study God's Word. We need to use our private devotion time to be with the Lord. We need to be in the public worship service to receive from the Lord His Word and Spirit. 
We need to make use of the Bible studies, the, the, the prayer meetings, all the resources that God, the means that God has given to give you His grace so that the Word of God may dwell in us richly, that when we speak, it's the Word of God that comes out, that when we do something, it is guided by the Word of God, that we stand in contrast to the wickedness of the world and of our own evil heart and be doers of God's Word, to be salt, we need to hear, we need to speak, we need to do. Because if we only hear and we never do, and we never speak, then the salt is not effective. Then it has no flavor. That's individually, but then as a church, Jesus here also gives advice to the disciples in Mark 9, verse 50, he says, have peace with one another. We have to be careful how much salt we add, don't we? Because with food, there is such a thing as too much salt. Now, I don't know how much to read into this, into this illustration of the Lord, but too much salt can make the food inedible. If you've ever had the lid pop off of the seasoning jar when you're shaking it in your food, you can hardly salvage that, food, that meal anymore. It's too salty. And so when the Lord Jesus sent out His disciples, He said, Be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. There is a proper way to live as Christians in this world, to dispense salt. And here He is indicating that this begins in the household of God. There must be peace and unity among the apostles here, he's saying. There must be peace and unity with one another, brothers and sisters, in our families, in our church family. Salt each other with the Word of God. Do not allow each, each other to drift away in our lives. That is one of the purposes we come together, to, to strengthen one another, to encourage one another. It begins here in our seats where we are sitting today. Let the Word of God enter. Let's season you. Luke 18 says, Therefore take heed how you hear. Jesus said here, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then in Luke 8, He says, Take heed how you hear. Whoever, whoever has to him, more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken away from him. And then when your service ends, can we speak to our neighbor, to one another, to let our words be seasoned with salt? Don't let it right away gravitate to the things of this world and lose your saltiness. But let our conversations be directed by the Word of God. How does it bear upon our life? How does it bear upon our work and upon and whatever we are facing, let us encourage one another. Can we share with one another how we, we find a struggle in this world of, uh, of where we find it difficult to bear this cross, where we face these pains, where we can pray for one another and, and guide each other with the Word of God of how we can live in those circumstances to be that salt. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens. That includes the sins, the temptations that we, that we struggle with at that time. 
And it says if someone falls, so that they can be pulled out and restored to usefulness. Right? Restored to the saltiness in this world. If one of us are living in sin, we're not being salt in this world, and how can we restore one another to all be salt and light? We're called to admonish and rebuke and exhort with long-suffering and doctrine, to warn one another about sin, to guide one another in the paths of life, even as we sang at the beginning that the, the Lord is a guide to the end. But then also we must all go out of this church back to our daily lives. The text on the wall says, depart to serve. So how do we act in this world? I don't have all the answers, but Colossians 4 verse 5 says, Paul says we must walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. That means toward those outside of the church, outside of the believing community. Redeeming the time, and he says, let your speech Always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each one. How are we going to respond to those outside the church? Salt will have an effect. And this is not easy, because it's a humbling work. It's a self-denying work. It sets us up for difficulties that we do not want to face. It sets us up for the opposition when they don't want to hear. And that's why we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But when we fail to take up our cross at all and follow Jesus daily, either to avoid that persecution or to preserve whatever relationships we have, we fail to be that salt. I don't believe we're called to unnecessarily place ourselves in danger or look for controversy. And Jesus said in Matthew 10 that if they reject you, they are rejecting God's word, then leave them. If they persecute you, flee to another city. But we must be that salt in this world. We must speak the truth of God's word in our homes first and in our church And the nation can only be seasoned and preserved by this Word of God. It must go out. And so the purpose of total commitment to follow Christ is so that you will season this earth with your little grain of salt and by the Word and grace of God working through you, wherever God has placed you. And maybe one little quote that I read and put it this way. He said, every Christian is to be so salty as to make everyone else thirsty for Christ, the living water. Amen.